Everybody okay? You doing good? You look good? Man, I tell you, new year, new me, right? Um, well, man, I uh, have the distinct privilege of getting to um, lead our time together as a family this morning. Uh, if you guys got the email or, or kind of saw Facebook, um, our uh, pastor, Doug, uh, came down with COVID this week. And so he's at home resting. I texted him uh, this morning, yesterday, and uh, he's feeling better. Thank God. I think it's kind of over the, the hump of a lot of the, um, the the rough part. For those of you guys who have kind of experienced that, you know, that there's kind of a, seems to be a rough part of that and then kind of ties down. Um, but he's watching online. So can y'all just give a huge just shout of encouragement and, and just tell him how much you love him as our pastor. We love you. Um, and I wish him a speedy recovery. Um, he, he's the awesomest. I love Pastor Doug. Um, now, I will be honest with y'all. The last time, the, the only time uh, since I've been on staff here where I have um, done the first Sunday um, speaking was 2020. Uh, so... Doug, you can't see it. People are fleeing to the exits as we speak right now. I'm so sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to hope that this one goes better, right? I might have jinxed the whole thing. I don't know. Um, so we are going to start um, a, a, a talk this morning, I think, I'm really excited about um, from Galatians. Uh, and I've called this uh, Life on Earth in 2021. Um, life on Earth in 2020 was, was pretty eventful. Uh, maybe something that uh, I think most of us would agree we've never seen before. Um, have gone through stuff, walked through stuff that uh, we never Never expected, never thought, um, saw God move in miraculous ways, some of us, and some maybe even still near the end of the year felt like, man, God, I, I'm really waiting for you to show up in some, some areas. Um, so we're going to dive right in. I'm excited to do it. So we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible or electronic device, you can go there. Uh, they're also going to be on these giant electronic Bibles here on stage um, if you don't have a Bible with you. Um, so Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 is where we're going to start. It says this, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Gentleness and self-control. No? Nobody? All right. The fruit of the Spirit's not a living. Okay. All right. There's some kids in here. We're going to have fun. Good grief. Okay. There we go. <laughs> there is no law against these things. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, last verse, 25, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part 
of our lives. Can I pray for us, Jesus? We ask and invite you into this moment. Uh, let this not be our words or some um, time when we just deliver some kind of monologue, but Jesus, let this be as a family coming together around your word um, at the beginning of a new year. God, we pray at the beginning of a new season in our life, in our ministry, in our church, in our family. And God, we ask that you would be given all the praise and the glory in this moment. In your name, amen. Um, so there have been a couple of, of moments in my life, I think, where I look back and go, I made the wrong decision. Uh, maybe you can relate to that. Uh, or maybe there, there was two options presented to me. I had this conversation with my son the other day, like, but you had two options, and you chose the wrong one, my brother. Like, you just, have you ever been in that moment, like, if I could go back, like, there was two paths that very clearly diverged, and I definitely took the wrong one. Um, one time in particular, I think, that led to bodily harm uh, was <laughs> when I was a kid, I uh, lived in West Virginia. And uh, had a buddy of my uh, there named Zach, and uh, Zach man was just kind of this adventurous guy, like very outdoorsy. Like right now, I think he works for the uh, FBI and has a wood shop on the side. Like he's just that guy. Has so much cool, you know, just um, uh, just outdoorsy and manly, all the things that I'm not. And uh, so we were really good friends. And I would go over to his house a lot, and he'd show me like this is what you know that this is like. This is what uh, mountain biking and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, cool. Do you get dirty? I don't think I would like that. And so we we go and, and we hang out. And um, this one particular time, I remember Zach had uh, a moped. He had gotten a moped. His dad had found one at some kind of rummage sale or something, right? And had this moped, and it was just this gorgeous beauty. And for those of we, I think we were eight, nine years old. I mean, this thing was like the Harley Davidson of, of, of moments right there. We were just so excited. And so he had been like, you know, driving around his. He had a huge backyard with like, you know, acres and acres and stuff in West Virginia. And so he would do that. And he's like, man, this is, you have to try this. Like, this is, this is the thing, man. Like, you are not going to believe how fast this thing goes, like you feel like you're flying, like you're like an adult. It's awesome. I'm like, okay, dude, sign me up. This sounds great. So he's, you know, he goes, let me show you how it works. And so he gets on and he, you know, does it. This is the, this is the throttle, right? It's like a real motorcycle. Wow, that's awesome. And so you pull that back and you go faster, right? Make sure your feet are here. The, the brake is here. And da, 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 da. And so he shows me. He goes, all right, I'm going to do a test. I'll show you where to go. And, and you just watch what I do. Right, so I stand back and hear him. He goes off and he goes. He does this thing. I mean, he's, he's whipping his tail back and forth, right, all all over the thing. And, and I'm just like, I'm in awe. I mean, this is this is incredible. Like, like we are we are about this close to being the Hell's Angels. Like, we are so close. Biker gang, it is happening today. Okay, like the first eight year old to join the Hell's Angels. And so he's he's flying off the line and comes back and like parks it. You know, you know, like so cool. And I'm like, did you? This is, I gotta try it. I gotta try it. He's all right. All right. You remember where it is? Yeah, yeah, I got it. I said, okay, wait, 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 before I go, how fast, how fast have you gone on this thing? He goes, dude, it's your first time. Ah, how fast are you go on this thing? He goes, I mean, my personal best, like 55, which was a lie. That thing like went 35 miles an hour. But I mean, at eight years old, like, oh, 55 million miles an hour. Obviously, that's how fast it went. I'm like, 55? Oh, dude, child's play. I got this. So I kind of, you know, all right, like, oh, dude, I'm going I'm to break his record. I'm going to shatter his record, and I'm going to be the manliest man to ever man, right? And so I, I do it, go off, and I get to this point in the yard, and I see that I can see his tracks. Like, this is the part of the yard that he went on. And he got decently fast, right? He was able to do a couple of turns and stuff like that. But then I look on the other side of the yard, and this part, I mean, there's just acres this direction that to me looks so much more smooth. And I'm like, all right, if I'm going to break a land speed record here, like I need like the salt thing, right? So I need, I need some smooth, like it's sailing over here. I don't think I'm going to do his track. I think I'm going to do my own track. Like I, I, got, I got this in the bag. And so I decide to whip it around and go that direction. Well, if I had not been cranking down on the throttle to make the engine so loud, I probably would have heard Zach 
back at the house going, no, don't go that direction. Because what I didn't know that he knew is that his dad had recently done a lot of like filling in with like loose dirt and rocks over on that side of the yard, which made it the opposite of what I thought it was, which was smooth. So I just crank it like this is my moment, right? Like light speed, all engines go, let's get here and crank it open start going, and then realize pretty quickly, this is not as smooth as I thought, right? And so it goes from like the regular to the, right? And because I'm not a experienced motorcyclist, right? I thought that, you know, if I kind of like lean back a little bit, I could stop it, right? Like maybe if I could, you know, my natural reaction was like, whoa there, like a horse, you know, like, whoa, okay. On a motorcycle, however, that does not work because the more that I pulled back, the more faster it went, right? And so I just keep going faster and faster and faster and the right, rattling my teeth out. So we're going so, I'm going so fast that, I mean, everything is bumpy, the whole thing, the wheel's shaking, all of the thing is shaking, that I eventually am just kind of flying and losing balance. And I just remember the grass, like just kind of slowly getting closer to my head as I fall. And then I hit that grass just with my teeth, like, like that's how I landed was just right, right in there. And so I hit that. I just, I see grass and, and blood and mud and that's all I see. And the, I fall off the thing, the moped, end over end, end over end, the, the uh, fuel thing. I don't know what it's called. I'm not a mechanic, but it came off and just started spewing. You, you can tell me, all right. <laughs> tell me riddle. It's a, yeah, the fuel thing is going, there's gas spewing everywhere. I'm covered in gas, covered in mud, covered in blood, covered in grass. So finally, Zach gets over there, and it knocked the wind out of me. You remember, like, you just, you know. And so I got, there's grass on my teeth. And he comes up. He's like, dude, I told you not to go there. I told you not to go there. My parents, I guess, watched me from the bay window of the house. And they come out running like my dad is dying laughing. He thinks it's hysterical, as dads do, right? Mom is like, oh, his teeth. Check his teeth. And so, you know, they come out there or whatever. And finally, I, you know, get, get my breath or whatever. And I'm wiping the mud and the grass and the blood and everything. And. And my buddy, Zach, I'll never forget, comes up to me, and my parents are still, like, looking at the moped, and the dads are like, well, that's a pretty good ride, right? And so Zach goes, oh, come with me for a second. So we step over to the side, and he goes, uh, so how fast you get? I'm like, uh, 70, 70, easy, man. Oh, totally, 70 miles an hour. <laughs> All this stuff in my life. And I'll never forget what he said next. He said this, if you were going to go that fast, you probably should have gone the other way. If you were going to go that fast, you probably should have gone the other direction. And here's what I believe this scripture in Galatians is, is kind of pointing us to, is that there are two very distinct paths presented to every Christian in our life. And we can fly down either one of these paths, but one of them leads to a very different destination than the other. And the two paths that we see lined out here and all the way through scripture is there is a path that is laced with envy, jealousy, and anger, and lust, ruin, and death. And then there's a path that's laced with love, and peace, and gentleness, and self-control. And the difference is not how we do these things. The difference is who we're being led by. If we're being led by our self, or if we're being led by the Spirit. The scripture says. And so maybe you've come to the beginning of this year. Maybe you look back over the last year and realize, you know what, Blake, if I'm honest with myself, 
I feel like maybe when we were listening out some of the things, outbursts of anger, the division, the dissension on that path to death, I think I checked a lot more of those boxes than I did the other one. And I would be there. Like I, I read that list and I go, oof, that was me last year. Oh, that was me last week. Ooh, that was me this morning. And then when I look at the other list, joy, love, peace, self-control, man, I want that. So God, how can I be led by the Spirit? What's supposed to look different? If I'm going to start going down this path, can this be the year where I pick a different one? And what will look different if I do? So here's what I want to do over the next couple of minutes is just look at a couple of things that if we decide today, Jesus, give us the ability to be led by your Spirit, what should and could look different. So here's the first one, people. The people in our lives should look different. Our interactions with them should be different if we're being led by the Spirit, being versus led by self. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses of all time. This is 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 24. It says again, again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. If there was ever a verse for Facebook in 2020, can I get an amen, okay? Uh, Libby McGowan uh, quotes this to our TSM girls all the time, <laughs> and I love it. Like, listen, you need a reminder about this every week. Again, I don't get involved in foolish, uh, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. I think if we look at our people in our lives today, we take an inventory of our friendships, our relationships, our coworkers, our family, do those relationships reflect Christ? Reflect I'm being led by the Spirit? These relationships are founded upon spiritual principles, or do they reflect instead? And I think we're both in this for ourselves. Um, I read an article the other day that uh, there's actually scientific proof that just serving people, volunteering, is actually good for your physical health. Um, in fact, this is what it said. This is from the BBC. It says um, the uh, people who volunteer even just once a week. Uh, they were talking about a 106-year-old woman who volunteered at a cafe in the UK. 106 once a week, which is volunteer and talk with people and serve people. Here's what they said. The, the act of volunteering has the same lowered risk, lowered risk of early death as eating six servings of vegetables a day. And if I can get out of eating vegetables by being nice to somebody, sign me up, okay? That, that sounds great to me. Um, in fact, this is what me and Cal just tell our kids when they're mean to each other. We're like, oh, someone wants to die early. Okay, uh, you better lock it up. That's two years off your life for saying that to your sister. Uh, all right, man. It also says that it lowers, so just, again, listen to this. This is just being kind to someone, just just serving others. Lowers your risk of high blood sugar, lowers your cholesterol, lowers your inflammation levels, and on average, people who volunteer and serve others uh, show fewer nights in the hospital on average. Like, when you think about that, and the BBC was like, oh, strange, and you're like, no, it's not. It's almost as if the God of the universe built into our DNA, if you love people, there's something about your physical body that changes for the good. Like if you actually love people the way that I'm, I want you to, that I'm drawing you to, it actually improves your life. And Christians go, oh, duh. And the rest of the world is like, no, no way. How crazy is that? It makes total sense. It's almost as if God is saying, Hey, I want your relationships 
the conflicts that inevitably come up, I want those to look different. Like, like I, I want that fight that you have when the holidays happen, right? And that one relative, man, ugh, I can't believe she would say that in front of my kids. I can't believe he started talking about that. And God is saying, well, well hold on. Like, I, I believe that this is, this is supposed to be some, I, I want that person, I want this conflict to look different. When changes in those relationships happen, inevitably, a person passes on or, or that friendship just moves in a different way or kind of grow out of that space with each other, we're supposed to handle that differently. It's almost as if God is calling us to treat others the way that he treated us. We have these two very different paths, and every single person in humanity was on the path of death. The path of envy, envious of God. That's what got us in the mess in the first place, right? Adam and Eve, we are envious of God. And when we were envious on the path of death, he said, I'm going to show you love. When we were jealous of God, I wish that he, I, I want to be him. He showed us kindness. In our own lives, man, if we allow the spirit to lead us, could our relationship look like that? When that coworker, Oh, she, she makes me want to have outbursts of anger. And God says, but I want you to show her kindness. Oh, but mm, he always gets the promotion before I do. But I want you to be gentle with him. But I, mm, I just, when she starts talking about that and everything, I just, I just can't. But I want you to show kindness and love, peace, patience, have patience. Could our relationship look different this year? If, if you find yourself like I do, so many of my relationships, man, I see a lot of these. I think a lot of that relationship is careening down a path to death, ruin, heartbreak. Jesus, will you lead me by your spirit to instead have that relationship look like you, look like led by the spirit, that that relationship would be defined by the fruits that you're providing by your spirit. So our people depending on what path we choose, are going to look really different. Here's the other one, our perspective. Our perspective will look radically different depending on what path we find ourselves walking down. Even as believers, right, we find ourselves drifting towards that constant struggle. The sinful nature always wants to do the opposite of what the Spirit leads. Here's First uh, Thessalonians 5. It says this, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I, I, I remember somebody once told me, and we, they kind of quoted this verse, and they go, now here's the deal. The, one of the most important parts of this verse is this word right here. Okay, thankful in. Because it doesn't say for. And I thought that was like, wow. It doesn't say thankful for all circumstances. God, thank you that I got COVID. God, right? Like, God, thank you that I got laid off. God, thank you that that family member spewed their hateful political jargon over me and my family while we were at Thanksgiving dinner, (laughs) right? Instead, there is thankful in all of circumstances. God, I lost my job, but God, I know you're still on the throne. And God, I'm believing and I'm expecting that you have something here. God, I'm thankful for what you are doing in my life. God, I lost lost a family member, I lost a friend to this disease. And God, I'm not thankful that they're gone. 
But I'm thankful that I have peace and rest in you because they knew you. And I trust in what you're doing in their life. God, you see how that changes? The perspective is different when we say, okay, I don't have to fake it, right? Oh, thank you for this, right? It's a, no, God, will you, if I'm being led by the Spirit, then I'm trusting you fully that whatever this circumstance is, God, give me your eyes to see this is bigger than me. And for some of us, that might be easier than others. Anybody in here, like, think you kind of have more of an optimistic personality, right? Maybe that's you, uh, right? Same, okay? Like, um, if you guys know the Enneagram numbers, that's kind of a personality thing. I'm a seven, uh, which is no negative feelings. But you already knew that, right? Uh, it's just, it's life of the party. Like, I just, that, I, I don't, it, it's sad stuff. I'm like, oh, what can we do to make that happy, right? That's, that's me, right? Some of you maybe are kind of on the other end of that spectrum. You're like, you know what? I, I, I feel my feelings very deeply, and I want to be in those feelings. And what's awesome is God made every single one of us that way. But I'll never forget um, when I was a teacher um, at the school there in Euless, a Harmony School of Innovation, um, the nurse, the school nurse, put this poster in the teacher's lounge that always made me laugh um, every single time I saw it. Here's what it said. Um, so here's your, your optimist. Um, I'm half full. Here's your pessimist. Pessimist. I'm half empty. And here's your realist. I think this is P. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Realists, the only ones who know what's really going on. Um, maybe, so I would, I'm definitely, I feel like most of the time, it's just like, oh, I have full. And if it's not half full, how can we make it look half full, right? Everything, let's, let's be happy, let's be energetic, right? Um, I think I have a lot of friends that are more like, no, this is, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing in the cup. No, there's nothing left in the cup, right? And then I think my brother-in-law is just like the realist. It's like, what are the, what are the probability that we could make this good, make this bad? This is the actual thing here, right? Like, just maybe you're one of these. You're the realist. You're an optimist. You're a pessimist. And what I would say is, God's not saying every single one of y'all need to be an optimist, right? I know I've built into you. You feel feelings really, really, really big, but I want you to to make sure that you're always happy about it. I mean, you're you're really analytical. You're really like you're one of those guys that your brain works. You think through solutions, but I'm gonna need you to just kind of put that on hold and always be, oops, always be happy about it. Always, that's not what God's saying. God has built into us these different personalities. What he is saying is being led by the Spirit within your personalities, within your worldview, are you willing to let that change? Are you willing to let your perspective be challenged? Can God, through his Spirit, say, hey, I know you see this really, really ugly right now. I know you're seeing this through your pessimistic lenses, right? That it is built into your heart sometimes, or you're a little more, you know, a little more skeptical, or I know you're seeing this through your optimistic lenses that everything's fine. But can I just challenge your heart to see this through my eyes? Things can change. You can take the P away, Ben. That's <laughs> Are you willing to be challenged with that? Are you willing to allow God to say, Hey, I know, I know that you see this this way because I built you that way and it's beautiful. But are you willing to let me take control of this? Are you willing to give me, to, to allow me to give me, give you my perspective of this? Because I think, I see, I think you'll see it very differently. What happens when your perspective is challenged? By either God or God using other people to do it. When somebody comes to you and has a completely different perspective on a situation, on an issue, on an occurrence than you do, is our first reaction to respond with outbursts of anger, with dissension, with jealousy, with envy, hostility, or with peace, 
and gentleness and self-control. There's no way he could possibly have that different of experience from me. So he doesn't know what he's talking about. This is the right way. You know what? Peace, gentleness, self-control. Well, I mean, come on. I, I, I need to make sure that I'm completely isolated from myself. These other perspectives are wrong, so I'm going to delete and unfollow all of these people that don't have that perspective and only surround myself with people with the perspective that I have. Or, man, maybe God brought them into my life because they have a different perspective. Maybe the fact that they grew up in a different part of town than I did, that they look different than me, they vote different than me, their family is different than me, that their background is different than me, is exactly why God has said, hey, I'm a lot bigger than you think I am. When I introduce this person to you, instead of revolting, instead of having this anger towards them, could you, being led by my spirit, could you see, wow, God, if I extend some grace and mercy to this person, I see you clearer. I see you are bigger than all of this. I can remove myself of the equation and say, wow, God, this is your perspective. Depending on what road we're on, this looks a lot different. The people that we interact with look different. The way we interact with them and the perspective that we have of all the things that are going on, the perspective of all the things that have gone wrong last year and may go wrong this year or go crazy right this year, it changes when we see it through the lenses of an almighty God who gives us love and joy and peace. I'm going to invite the, the band to come up and we'll land with this last one. The last one is purpose. Purpose. Um, here's Romans 8, 6. It says this, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Like I said, it's all over Scripture. Right? There's these two, two paths warring with each other, constantly trying to pull us onto one or the other. One being led by the Spirit, one giving, um, resulting in life and peace and joy and love, and the other one leading to death, destruction, ruin. Um, I uh, was at a wedding a couple of months ago, and uh, we were hanging out with uh, kind of as the bride and groom were coming in. One of the groomsmen came up to me, and um, he said, hey, you know, what's your name? I told him, Blake, whatever. And his first question, like I've never met a person like this before, but he said, hey, what's your name? And after he said his name, I usually the next question is like, oh, you know, what do you do? Like, you know, do you have any kids? Or, you know, why are you here? How do you know the bride and groom? No, no, no. This guy said, hey, what's your name? So what's your passion in life? And I'm like sitting here like trying to put like hors d'oeuvres on my little like plate. I'm like, what? And he goes, what, what's your passion in life? Uh, I, I, uh, have you ever been asked that? I'm like, um, you know, and I, and I want to be, you know, I think, I think if I had said Jesus, that would have been a right answer. But, yeah, I think, I think he's kind of, what, what has God placed in you? Like, what, what brings you alive? And I kind of stumbled through an answer with him, and I sat down with Kel. I'm like, this guy just asked me the weirdest question. I came back here the next Monday, and I kid you not, two students from TCS came into my office sat down and go, hey, we were talking about this thing in Bible class and we're supposed to ask people, um, 
what is your passion? I said, God, what are you trying to do? I just looked at him. And I, I'm sure they were probably like shocked, but I was just like, are you kidding me? How dare you ask me that, right? I oh, man, what? what? I watched uh, Soul this weekend, if you guys have seen that. No spoilers, but, but I, we watched it the other day. And their question is, what's your spark? I thought it was really cool. Like, what's, what's, what's the spark? What's the thing that makes you come alive when you add that in to your soul? And maybe you have some things that came to mind. I'm really passionate about this. Oh, this, man, this is, this is where I come alive. My work. I love my work. This is, this is everything to me. Like, this is awesome. Being successful, like I love that. I feel that's like my passion. I'm chasing after my future self, right? Like I always, always kind of got the, the guy in the next 10 years, right? To quote Matthew McConaughey, like I'm always looking for him. And maybe when you look at your passions, when you ask yourself, hey, what's, what's that thing that makes me come alive? Maybe you have a lot of things that pop into your head. Maybe your passion is the plans that you have for the future. My passion is, man, when we get retired, that lake house is going to be lit. Oh, man. Me and the wife, we've been planning this for 20 years. My passion is it gets me through every day. Retirement, man. Because then that new house with no kids, they're off on the mountaintop. We're going to go off the grid. That's my passion. And I would maybe submit to us today, where do you see that passion falling on the path. He said, well, I, mean, I, I feel like I really want that success. I really want that, that dream. And maybe I would say, I don't, I don't know. Is that purpose just ourself? Would you say that maybe, man, my, my path is, I want everyone around me to, to know about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Maybe that's being led by the Spirit. And there's nothing wrong with, man, I, got, I need I, this retirement. I'm passionate about this. I feel like this show or this, this hobby really makes me come alive. But when we take a step back and go, okay, let me evaluate how this passion is really impacting my life. Is this something that's giving me life? Leading me down the path of life? Or is this something that's instead dragging me down a path that only leads to self? I'll end with this. I uh, was reading a book the other day about the Panama Canal. There's a picture of it here. Um, one of the greatest technological achievements of humankind. It's 50 miles long. Um, it's uh, opened in the early 1900s. 40 ships a day pass through. Um, this was the monumental moment where ships no longer had to go all the way down under South America, but could instead cut it by weeks and weeks and weeks by simply going through a simple, uh, kind of system of channels and locks. It's kind of a multi-country initiative, international initiative. The French and the Americans and the Panamanian government, a lot of them kind of pitched in to make this happen. It took only over 30 years to make. And when I looked at kind of some of the facts and everything with the Panama Canal, one just stood out as crazy to me. You can look it up. It's, it's always listed as one of the top ones. In the first about 15 years of the construction of the Panama Canal, 25,000 of its workers died. 25,000 workers, not just people, whatever, like 25,000 workers. And when I read that, I thought, oh, man, like you've heard like the stories of the Hoover Dam of, you know, like, oh, people fell in or this, that, and the other. And I started researching and actually the vast, vast majority weren't killed by some construction accident. They killed by a disease. 
specifically something that the French and Americans had never really encountered before, which was yellow fever and malaria. Hospitals were full of workers constantly. It seemed like it would never stop. And at the time, in the early, late 1800s, they didn't know what caused it. In fact, some people thought that as they were digging into the ground, there must be some kind of gases that were bubbling out of the dirt that must have made certain workers sick, and that's why they had to go to the hospital. And eventually it started to become, as they dug in to the ground, they also found these giant ants. And they thought, that must be it. It must be the ants. As our workers dig down, these ants are, are ingesting this, this toxic dirt and they're you know, touching our, our guys or the biting or whatever. And that must be what's happening. We've got to stop ants at all possible costs. So they went to the hospitals. Hundreds and hundreds and thousands of their workers were being shipped every single day. And they decided to do a couple of things to try to stop the ants from giving their, co- their workers malaria and yellow fever. They went out into the fruit gardens that were in the, the, around the hospital, and they dug little trenches. They filled those trenches with water because ants can't swim, right? So we'll put the water there. That way the ants can't get over. They can't infect the fruit. That'll work. And then we'll go into the hospital rooms, and we don't want the ants crawling up into the, the beds with, with our, 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 our guys. So what we're going to do is we're going to place the, the feet of the bed in little pans of water. That way... The ants can't get into the water. They can't get up the bed. Now us, with the benefit of knowledge in the 21st century, know and are not surprised by the fact that malaria and yellow fever skyrocketed. And thousands of more workers died because while ants don't like water, mosquitoes definitely do. And this is what struck me while reading this, is what they thought was keeping them alive was actually killing them. What they thought was keeping them alive was actually killing them faster. And maybe as you look at your passions and the things that are that are fueling your life right now, like this is what gets me up in the morning. Jesus, this I'm taught this is what is it. This is what this is what I'm doing. This is my life. May I submit to you that maybe the beginning of this year, we can take a look at those and go, actually, Jesus, is what's keeping me alive actually hurting me? I really want to be connected, which is why I'm always on my phone. I'm always on social media. Like, I just live for this. I'm always on there. I live for all these things. And yet I'm surprised when I find myself really isolated. Jesus, my anger is justified. You don't know what they did to me. My anger is justified. I deserve to be angry. It fuels me. And what I find is I'm actually allowing bitterness to wreck my heart. I'm just an emotional person. I, you know, I, I just I, I just go where my emotions take me and I live for that. I just live for the passion. I live for, for that, that spark in me. Instead, I feel like I'm being driven by my emotions. I really want to be successful. Jesus, give me that success. Give me that promotion. Give me that next step. I want to be successful. But maybe I'm really just filled with greed. It was just a joke. I'm just I'm a, I'm a, I'm a jokey person. It's not that big of a deal. I live for the jokes. I live to be the funny guy. 
but have I trampled across other people's feelings in the meantime? I really want the companionship. I live for people, for relationships. But have I just made myself dependent on others? Or even worse, allowed lust to drive those relationships? You see, the people finally figured out that if you remove the water and you put up mosquito nets, that it would save countless lives. The final 10 years of the construction of the Panama Canal a fraction of hospitalizations and deaths. And maybe this is a moment as we stare a new year in the face to say, God, will you look at my passions? Will you give me your perspective of what has been lighting my fire, what has been getting me up out of bed in the morning? God, and would you let me see what path that's actually bringing me down? Am I moving towards you? Am I moving towards self? Am I being fueled by when I boil it down, greed, anger, division? Or am I being fueled by love, compassion, kindness, self-control, faithfulness, goodness? Jesus, please let me see that in my heart today. Let this be our prayer as we close. Jesus, give us your passions, perspective, and heart for people. Say that with me again in your heart. Jesus, give us your passions, perspective, and heart for people. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you so much. God, that you make it so clear. God, there is a way following after our own sinful desires that leads to death and it's so easy it's so easy it's it's literally natural to walk in envy to walk in anger and division and lust and all of these things God it's so easy Jesus we ask today that through your spirit and through your spirit's leading God we would see people our lives changed. We would see our perspective of the events around our life change, God, that we would see our purpose and our plans change because you alone give us life. God, help us to follow after you. Do what only you can in our hearts, God. We bring nothing to the table but open hands. We love you. We praise you. In your name.